0: Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild places of the North Coast. I am recording remotely today. Um, This is Jessica Schleif, and I'm recording remotely today, and I'm actually at the Astoria Visual Arts Gallery seeking a little um, refuge from the rain, and I am... So lucky and have a lot of gratitude for my guest today. I'm joined by Iris Sullivan Dare, who is across the room from me. We've got our recorder in between us. Iris is a a fiber artist, a dyer, a baker, a human extraordinaire. (laughs) (laughs) that I've known in this community for a number of years. Um, Iris, hello. Welcome to In Season. I'm so glad you could join us and talk to us a little bit today about about fiber
1: plants. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's great to see your face, and um, I'm so excited to talk about plants. It's great.
0: Yeah, (laughs) so... You have been a a natural dyer for, I mean, ever since I've known you, which is 20 plus years. So when when did your interest in in dye plants and and natural dyeing come about?
1: So there's kind of uh, two things. Like uh, my mom was a basket weaver and utilized uh, black walnuts. Extensively in dyeing her her basketry material, so like growing up, I was aware of. And my aunt, who was a weaver, um, who actually taught me how to weave um, on a floor loom, uh, she used a lot of, she used some plants. She also used uh, synthetic dyes for her work. But so I was kind of in this peripheral way aware. Um, but I went away to college to study biology. And. But I, because I had this background in weaving, I got a work study job teaching, um, being a, a teaching assistant in the weaving department. And so I'd go from like chemistry class over to the weaving department. And it was there that I realized, like, had the mind blowing experience of seeing the capacity for plants to create color beyond just brown. And it just, blew my mind and I kind of defected to the art department (laughs) in my senior year like I'm like oh this is what I actually need to do so I I went over and then crammed an art degree into a year and a half and so and so and my focus was um, primarily on natural dyes and and I was really lucky I I got to go to a, a big international conference on a scholarship and we did a road trip to Colorado to and um, that was all about natural dyes. And that was really instrumental. And from that, I got to meet some teachers that I went and studied with after graduation. And um, so I've been really lucky. I feel like natural dyeing found me and mm-hmm. feel really like it's, it's been a, a kind of like a base note throughout my adult life really to, uh, yeah, just the, the magic of plants. I'm still like totally still mind blown. Like regularly <laughs> by how cool the plants are, so that's that's that feels good.
0: <laughs> and so, so now uh, it seems as if um, you're growing a number of these plants in your own home garden. Yes. And, yes. Uh, were there times in the past where you accessed dried plant material or or had other people
1: grow for you? So really. Um, Historically, like I've grown a few things. Like there's a lot of plants that are already growing. Like there's a lot of uh, plants you can forage. Most plants have something to offer.
0: You wanna talk a little bit about that? So I, oh, yeah, I really yeah. would love to
1: hear about some of the individual
0: plants. plants. Like like what are some of the plants that you're foraging from from nature or your neighborhood or, and your neighborhood is kind of nature. Yes. Iris was yes. in Alderbrook, <laughs> which I, I always consider this, I don't know, it's so beautiful down there. And it is like a little, its own little nature reserve. It's, almost.
1: it's so lucky because it's at that riparian zone, that, that edge between the forest coming down the hill and then meeting the open space and then the water. So there's actually a lot of plant diversity in a very small area. Um, and in 2018, I did a project where every month I went out and did foraging walks like specifically. Um, and gathered plants and then brought them back to my studio and cooked up a dye bath and then sealed it in jars with the fabric. Um, and so, that, some of those plants uh, over the course of the year that I utilized um, is, that, for instance, alder, red alder is one of my very favorite plants. Um, the native peoples of the, this coast and up into um, British Columbia would ferment the, the bark to get some reddish browns. Um, but the leaves, you can you can die with the, the catkins in the spring. You can die with the little cones. You can die with the leaves, and they they have a lot of tannin, which is a um, tannins are a really common, very useful to plants uh, biochemical that they produce, and it, it helps them to regulate their growth and dormancy and like all kinds of things. Their their um, immune system has a lot, uh, it relies a lot on tannins. And uh, the tannins in, in alder are really useful in a number of different ways and different processes in dyeing, you can make beautiful ink. You know, you could cook up a bunch of uh, tannin catkins and cones and leaves that you just break up off the ground with a horseshoe for a while, and then, you know, simmer it down, evaporate it down, and have a beautiful ink. Um, so, like, uh, I really also love, or as far as native plants, uh, Pacific ninebark. Um, and you, the leaves can make kind of orangey colors. It also has a lot of um, high can- tannin content for doing um, botanical printing, which is a process of laying leaves on prepared cloth and then applying pressure and heat to transfer the, the dye materials directly. And so it, it makes very pictorial. I think of them as like like uh, portraits of plants because it's, it's literally the leaf what it has to offer directly transferred to the cloth is magic. These
0: types of, I've had this idea in the past about um, the natural dyeing processes and that, you know, I would look at your amazing indigo vats and think, oh my god, that looks really complicated. But these ideas of being able to do something like what you're speaking of, uh, transferring dye out of a leaf in that kind of way, like pressure or heat or some of the fresh dyeing um, techniques with the indigo. I mean, these are things that people could try
1: oh, and yeah. just kind of oh, have fun totally, with. Totally. totally. I mean, I'm, I absolutely am sure that, that wherever you are, <laughs> there are plants growing. Very near you right now that have color to offer if you work with them in the way that they like, you know. And so, like, for sure, um, there are the traditional dyes of commerce. Those are the, the rare and the the important dyes that you know, like the Silk Road, uh, and was in no small part about transferring dyes. Um, it was cochineal, which is actually an insect dye of Mesoamerica, was used as tribute to kings. And then during the unfortunate colonialization process, made Spain just unfathomable amounts of money. And, uh, um, you know, so like, you know, the Egyptians were trading with with India for indigo. So, like, all Mm -hmm. of this is way before recorded history. Um, And so, those dyes that were rare, namely reds and blues, were traded a lot. Um, And then, but yellow is so. Is so common it's f- usually coming from flavonoids which is another really uh, workhorse biochemical for plants and so like most plants contain flavonoids some of them are um, have longer staying power they're washed fast and you know so like weld is a neolithic era dye from eurasia um, my irish ancestors were wearing these big voluptuous linen tunics that they called saffron shirts that were actually dyed with, with weld, which in their language they called the big yellow, meaning like the chieftain of yellow, like uh-huh. the, the best one. Um, but many, most plants offer yellow. So, it's, so people were always doing a combination of what was local to them, and if they were of means, they would be getting plants from far away. And there are, um, or they were growing plants specifically for, um, for the purpose of color. And so if you're looking at a seed catalog, if it has tinctoria or tinctorium in the and the species name, that's probably it was a dye plant. And Oh interesting. And interesting. There's, and there's a lot of weeds that are came to this continent because they're dye plants. So you know, so like woad, for instance, right. is a noxious weed in the on the east side of the Cascades is is the indigo of Europe. So
0: and, and ended up here Because of as... it,
1: its use, and also medicinally. A lot of the times the dye plants were dye plants and medicinal plants.
0: Interesting. You were talking about that before we started recording, and that, that to me, that crossover that, that a plant could have these multiple uses in it, and as you're saying, in many cases, do.
1: Yes, yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you were talking about some of the forage
1: plants, like in your neighborhood, alder, bark. Um, there's uh, there's a there's a weed uh, we always we call it red bob but it's herb robert it's yes, really earthy the geranium yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that has a ton of tannin and you can get um, so like that's a that's another nice uh, tannin rich plant jewel weed can be used to uh, dye beautiful uh, oranges on wool. Um, and that's another.
0: And is that just the flower, no, or just the the whole, the whole
1: plant? Thing. So when it's flowering, I gather it. And that's also another really great medicinal plant. It's I've um, done infused oils to make uh, soap for you know bug and blackberry season. So like we or like salve, we usually make a itchy scratchy fixy salve. Interesting with <laughs> with, with, with the with jewelweed and plantain. Um, Plantain's not a great dye plant. I mean, no, no shade, but
0: not. No, yeah. but an yeah. amazing medicinal plant. Amazing, um, apparently, yes. it has enough medicinal qualities <laughs> yes. that it doesn't need to have dye quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's, it's, it's a king already. Um, some other, uh, let me think about looking around. Uh, oh, Usnia. Um, there's a lot of uh, mushrooms and lichens that have amazing rainbow of color. And that's a thing that's kind of been rediscovered in the last like 40 years, but many traditional colors, um, cultures utilized uh, mushrooms, especially Scandinavia.
0: And there are many, I, uh, many, that's, many, that's one area, you know, this time of year when I'm out foraging so much for edibles um, in the mushroom kingdom. I've really kind of been looking into the books and I haven't yeah. tried any mushroom dyeing but I'm I'm really you know I'm always kind of looking and going oh that's one of those dyers polypores that they're talking about yes. or, oh there's the cordyceps and 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 doing the study not actually harvesting and and trying the dyeing but um, definitely enjoying this, the study part of it and, and starting to identify who I could use and, and doing some talking to them in the forest. Like, yeah. I might someday come and want some of you to come home with me.
1: I mean, doesn't it seem like, I feel like the more I, it, it's like when it, it changes like a walk from just being like, oh, there's, when you know something more about a plant, Mm -hmm. it's like it's like deepening your friendship with them it's like oh you can do this magic thing in addition to like just being part of the ecosystem and doing the magic that you provide to your to your other plants and and the ecosystem, you know, it's like that's magic enough. But then you find out it's like, oh, and you could also be used as food or you could also be used for medicine or you could also be used to create beautiful color. And it's like, whoa, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it totally it's cool.
0: And <laughs> opening those doors, I find the, um, you know, gathering information in a school setting or textbooks, but then having some of that information just passed to you through other people, you yes. know, um, elders or friends or, you know, people with more knowledge or different knowledge than you. Uh, I, uh, nettles, being stung by nettles, and and the different things that can, you know, help you out with that. And I had never heard the the thing with ferns and fern spores, and that that's a thing to, actually, take a sword fern and rub. For that, nettles, for for, for that oh, for the sting, so cool. which someone just passed that to me last year. I've been thought God, all these years where I've <laughs> you know known that you could you know make a poultice out of dock or yeah, yeah. you know different things that you could do, but then to have a new piece of knowledge passed to you just by you know someone that you're walking with or
1: well, it's like it's like the difference between having an introduction. To someone by like your your friend is like, oh, you know, I know this other human that I think you would really like each other. Yeah. And like getting that like more intimate introduction, you're already kind of like, you're you're already one step into having a connection that's meaningful, versus you could sit next to them in a coffee shop back when those things happened. <laughs> and you know, and and just never even know that this other human next to you is is. You know that there's this this potential for connection with them, and so I think that a lot of times with plants that that I do treasure the plants that have been introduced to me by somebody that already has a mm-hmm. relationship with them. It it's like it gets you with this head start, and it's totally a different relationship than just. I mean, I'm all about the field guides, but there's a di- there's a different.
0: It is it's, it's an introduction. It's, it's an like introduction. you were saying it's like an introduction and having another human you know provide you with that relationship that maybe they've had with the plant or information that they ha- have about the plant. Th- this brings me to thinking about um, you know we're talking about some of the plants that that you're able to achieve these amazing colors with that are just right around your home. and Can you talk some about the history of, I mean, how did people figure out how to use these plants?
1: I mean, personally, I think probably the plants, they had some sort of communication with the plant, either by just deep observation um, or, you know, like, uh, you know, they think about when natural dyes, when you're dyeing natural fibers, They're kind of, we divide them into like protein fibers, which are animal-based like Mm -hmm. silk or wool or leather or porcupine quills, or cellulose fibers, which are plant-based like linen and hemp and cotton and ramey and all those. Mm -hmm. And they have very different ways of receiving the dye. And so in different places, depending on what became their preferred mode of clothing themselves, people became experts on the plants that were, because some plants are special because they can die equally well in cellulose and protein, mm-hmm. but a lot of plants have a preference. So um, I think that in the course of like once, I just feel like it's like this cascading effect, like once they, they had um, access to, to one plant, then wouldn't they, just like me, or anybody who's interested in natural dyes, you'd want to try lots of other plants. I think, so I think a lot of experimentation happened. Um, But I, I, I think it's like, when you look at traditional cultures, they give personhood to different Mm -hmm. species, and that, you know, like, where did we get fire? You know, like, crow brought us fire, raven brought us fire, coyote brought us fire, you know, and like, what, you know, like, different Irish stories of plants giving you know, like the personification of a plant transferring information to people and that may be just mythological or maybe in some way they were accessing that in, in meditation or deep observation. So that's probably sounds a little wackadoodle, but not I think not at all. I think like not at a combination all combination of being fully present with a plant and being open to receiving hints and um, probably a lot of experimentation.
0: It's the impo- uh, possibly some accidental, I think oh, that with yeah, the indigo. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think that yeah. with, with the indigo that possibly, you know, you could have a leaf get on something and yes. then suddenly go, oh, look. Yeah, the, or see the blue quality in the leaf as it's as it's drying. drying. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that again, I guess that's observation.
1: And it's wild. like indigo is unlike all the other dyes and it's super complicated and it just it's mind-blowing that people figured it out in Peru like the oldest sample we have of any indigo textile is from 6,200 years ago you know and the you know in everywhere that you know like in Vietnam and China, and, and they had indigo very, 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 very old. In Europe, they were dying with woad, um, and throughout Africa, they have many indigo traditions, and in the southeast United States, there was an indigo tradition. There In Central America, there, you know, like everywhere, that they had that one plant or those two plants on there in that huge expanse. They figured it out, like all over the place. Like,
0: and that is not an easy process. No, no, it's Can not. Can you, you talk a little bit about yeah. the indigo vat yes. making?
1: So with most colors, like uh, like matter, you would simmer or ferment the roots to create basically kind of like tea. You know, it's not, most, many dyes are not much more complicated than brewing up some tea or some soup and dipping your fibers in it. But indigo you have to, um, what's in the plant is not the pigment, what's in the plant is the precursor to the pigment. Which is, and, and so in order to get the pigment, you have to break a sugar off of that precursor and get two of them to join together with some oxygen. That's what's happening on the molecule level. And so you can do a fermentation with the leaves. And so the you know, enzymes will knock the sugar off and then you add a whole bunch of oxygen and then you end up with this, insoluble blue pigment but so that's great but you can't get that on your cloth once it's insoluble so then you have to make it soluble again and that's another secondary fermentation process so people use bananas and human pee and like all kinds of things to create that state but so it's like this multiple complex processes Um, you can also do the fresh leaf and people figure that out where you, you um, instead of tr- trying to, you know, store the pigment in the, through the winter, you would take whatever the plant material is and basically macerate it in some way with the fiber that you want, and there's usually, um, you can get some transfer of color, and that tradition usually coexisted in different places, depending on there's a lot of, of uh, diversity in, in, in traditional ways of using indigo, but they all have the basic underlying same requirements. That's we right. could geek out on, but yeah, but I'll hold myself <laughs> back. <laughs> um, so
0: talk to me a little bit more about some of the. I know I know this year I was seeing online on mm-hmm. the Instagram some of the colors that you were getting out of. Marigold, some of these, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, just no, like not normal, uh, common some, garden some of these common garden plants, some of these things that are common to our gardens during the summer.
1: Marigold is a great dye. And it's, you know, it was used in pre-Columbian times where it's native, which is in Mexico and Mesoamerica. And um, it's, it's great because you can deadhead them and dry them out or make marigold you know uh, garlands and or you can just throw it in your freezer um, and they make beautiful um, yellows and oranges and golds um, but just vibrant just joyful it's just like joy and uh, orange cosmos I mm-hmm. they're they're just they're like a rock star and like you if you have them in a vase and like some petals fall into the water the water will turn turn orange so it's it's they're they're pretty magical. And a lot of people have smoke bush in uh-huh, their the yards. Catinus. Yeah, and that's um, that's a that's also known as 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 young fustic, and it was heavily used as a dye of commerce to make things like khaki for um, for like military uniforms. So it's, interesting, so and it's, that's a
0: common one. And that's here. a common
1: that's really common, and it's a beautiful printer for the back to that pressure plus heat scenario. Mm. Um, to do the direct printing of leaves, it's it's a really beautiful printer. Um, other plants that people can grow easily in their gardens. Um, I mean, you can do the 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 triad of primaries. You can grow Japanese indigo. It's 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 uh, not weed family, but it's not frost tolerant, so it's mm-hmm. pretty safe to grow here. Um, Weld is a, a, a generous self-seeder, so that would be a plant that um, it's not. it's it's worth that you know and and uh, matter takes like three years and it also it's it's in the bedstraw family it's a goer it's a goer it will kind of so you that's you got to be pretty committed
0: but but I think there's ways that we can strategize about that with
1: containers
0: yes yes, you know large-scale containers which I see you doing on your deck a lot
1: Yeah, for sure. And then there's uh, biddens is another common garden plant And mm-hmm. that those flowers make beautiful depending on the variety, yellow or orange. Um, uh, maples and Japanese maples are all really good printers in that. Oh, and they, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they're really good at, at doing printing and like ginkgo leaves. If you like ferment ginkgo leaves, you can get kind of a pinky tan. Um, it's a nice, and that makes it sound like really a boring color, but it's actually a very, a very pleasant color. Um, just trying, and like looking out the window at what plants. Uh, uh, redwood cones, you can get kind of some purpley colors. Uh, you can make some really nice grays like uh, Fringe Cup is contains a very, there's different classifications of tannins. There's light tannins and dark tannins and Fringe Cup has one of the rare light tannins. Sumac, um, Good printer plus really a good mordant. Um, I don't know. Who's
0: that? Yes, I, it's that, like thank you. That, I mean, it's just so interesting <laughs> to me. All, you know, these are common garden plants, yes, many yeah. of these. The biddens, I mean, we see these little coriopsis, they're, they're in oh, baskets. Oh, yes, in coriopsis. Coriopsis. Is, is yeah. coriopsis
1: um, yes, you can make um, a lot of the sunflower family plants do kind of a nice green, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, you can make. Uh, uh, it's a, there's a really good dye in artichoke leaves. So, like, my neighbor always lets me steal the artichoke leaves out of his compost when he, like, um, and you can add, if you cook it with, like, a copper pipe, you can make green colors with with uh, that. Um, yeah, there's so many. It's, just like, endless.
0: Iris, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming on the radio today. Thanks for recording this show in the middle of beauty, Iris has an art show up at the Astoria Visual Arts Gallery right now. Tell me the gallery hours that people could come in masked and and have a little physical distance and experience the magic of this show.
1: So it runs through December 5th, um, Fridays and Saturdays from four to noon, um, is, or excuse me, noon to four. (laughs) Um, And uh, there is some availability to do like a what do you call it like an a, appointment an appointment yeah
0: so the astoria visual arts gallery aba you can look it up online they are on the corner of 10th and Dwayne. Um, you can see quite a bit of the show looking in through yes, the windows yes,
1: yeah um, and it's all nat- it's all these plant dyes it's so.
0: all these plant dyes and and I felt really happy to be able to have Iris on the gardening show today, talking about um, some different things that we can do with some of these plants in our gardens. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much, Iris. Thank you so much.